I probably should have checked our levels before I started recording. It's fine. We sound great. We do sound great. And that's all that matters. And um, here we are again. Here we are again on the fun ride that never ends. It's time once again for our annual tradition, which is uh, talking about our year annually. Yeah. That makes sense. That's the best time to talk about the year is once a year. <laughs> but yes, it's our 2023 year in review. Yeah, we're wrapping it up. We're wrapping it up. It's been an interesting year. Yeah. Um, I feel like our first two years on the show, we had paced out watching a lot of the classics mm-hmm. of the era. I mean, it was a little front heavy, but... Yeah. We kind of dragged them out a little bit, and I feel like this year we had to dig a lot deeper. We've been digging deep, and we've been down and we've been going down in the slime, but we've been bringing up pearls. <laughs> yes, we have. You know, I'm yeah. down in there. I can feel my fingers around in the muck, and a crab nipped me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, welcome to the Raincoat Report year in review. It's yeah. Boss here with Jeremy. And it's say goodbye to 2023. It's out of here. Bonk of the year. <laughs> the bonk of the year goes to 2023. Yeah. Remember when it got so hot, we almost went crazy? Yes. It was crazy. I remember a couple weeks ago when you, you had so much cum in your balls, you got sick? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I uh, remember how many times we actually got sick this year? That was, I think, another problem scrolling back through is that at least like four episodes this year were just like recaps from like Patreon because we kept... Yeah. <laughs> You keep getting ill. To be fair, I would say that over the course of this uh, podcast, we've missed like six weeks ever. Yeah, and most of them were this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, most of them were. So, <laughs> but twenty twenty three is a year of disease and pain. <laughs> yes, it is, and hopefully twenty twenty four is better. But twenty twenty four is going to be great because it's an even year and it's a presidential election year, so things oh, yeah. are going to be fine and normal. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything evens out right around election time. The country goes into um, kind of like a hibernation and doesn't flip out at all. Yeah. they Send a bunch of fake pipe bombs full of dirt <laughs> to your representatives. I don't know. That happened. There was like a guy in a van who... I, don't, I never really followed up enough on that. I just know that he was like a man who was living in a van and like right before... I think the 2018 midterm elections, he's like, I'm going to send a bunch of pipe bombs that don't work to a bunch of Democratic representatives. Very cool. Yeah. uh, We got a good country going on here. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, it's 2023 and those problems are all done and they're about to be lulled into a sweet rest. Yes, they are. So let us lull you into a sweet rest. I thought that just kind of as I went back over the films we covered this year, first off, I forgot most of them. Uh, (laughs) I think uh, getting COVID a bunch has not helped my short-term memory. Yeah. Or long-term memory for that fact. Right. The fact of the matter. That's why I have a diary now. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And a Twitter where I just write down all of my thoughts. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But yeah, I was like, well, I think we watched a couple good movies this year, but uh, I don't think we watched a lot. But as I started to go through, I was uh, more impressed with the lineup of the past year. Yeah, there's uh, 
There's definitely not a lot of uh, off the top of the head classics, but mm-hmm. uh, for people who did some deep digging, I think we found some good stuff. Yeah, I think we did. It was a it was a fun year, and uh, 2024. Uh, well, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we're going to be reopening the raincoat files again. That's true. We are going to uh, we're going to kick off the year opening up those files. Uh, we're going to kick off the year missing a week and putting up a Patreon episode. Yes. And then we're going to open up the raincoat files. So how we're doing it? Perfect. Yeah, I think uh, next week, uh, I'm going to go ahead and call it, we're going to do our Patreon episode where we looked at the Pornhub Christmas 2022. Okay. All right. That's how we'll start the year. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. Well, that's great. We don't have to reconvene back here for like a month. I feel like we've been recording podcasts every weekend for the past several years, (laughs) but... Like I feel like recently, I feel like I've, we've been grouping them up a lot. Yeah, usually, like the idea is we record every other week, mm-hmm. but just because of weird stuff with scheduling, we've had to record multiple weeks in a row several times. Yeah, I didn't. Because whenever you switch, whenever like we miss a week and we record the next weekend, it kind of fucks up the whole thing. Yeah, and this time it just happened. Like recording weekend falls on also on like Christmas weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I gotta go probably do stuff. Yeah. Like with my family. Sounds awful. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they won't be there. Maybe, maybe it'll be like in Home Alone. Maybe you can watch The Passions of Carol with Carol. I could. I don't know. I'm wrapping presents with her tomorrow. I'll put something on. <laughs> I think she might probably prefer the humor of a Merry Xmas. I think that might be more her speed. Fair enough. It's more like a life, or not like a lifetime. It's more like a Hallmark film, except that there's an evil elf. Yes, an evil and foul elf. <laughs> yeah, he ruined Christmas. <laughs> he sure did. Uh, but yeah, I was uh, I was impressed by some of the films we watched, as you mentioned talking about it. Um, there were several films that I looked at, and I was like, I don't remember what this movie is at all. Yeah, I don't fucking remember Powder Burns. I, I remember Powder Burns. I, I do remember Powder Burns, but I wish I could forget. Can you tell me... Well... Just go, go ahead. Can you tell me about Silk Satin Sex? Which one was that? Um, I know that it has, I believe, Lisa DeLeo. Okay. And that... She was having a tough time deciding between whether she would wear silk or satin to go get fucked. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't remember that one. I I remember a joke that I made uh, from the episode. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You can go back and listen to it. Okay. (laughs) When I saw it, I I confused it with uh, Slip Into Silk. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, And then I was like, wait, we watched that that early in the year? I thought that was a lot more recent. And then when I scrolled through the list and hit Slip Into Silk, I was like, oh, yeah. Also, reading over the plot of Silk Satin Sex, it seems very similar to the plot of I Like to Watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think they're both just about Vanessa Del Rio uh, making ladies tell stories, maybe. Let's see. That's what what Silk Satin... She's like a lingerie company owner. Oh, okay, she I makes remember them this. Recall their sexy tales. That's right. It's like a gender swapped version of Afternoon Delights. Yes, we've okay. covered. 
we're coming to a point where a lot of the plots are starting to kind of bleed together. And there's a very small, like, uh, kind of a repertoire of actors as well who aren't, yeah. like, bit names who, like, come and go. Right. So uh, we talk a lot about, like, our brains just being, like, a morass of pornography. But <laughs> it's, it's not like they've made it easy on us. No, they didn't. And, uh, you know, I also worry that I might be slowly losing my grip on reality to the point where these plots oh. just start becoming my memories. Yeah. As if they're things that happened to me. <laughs> But yeah. that that might be more of an issue in 2024. So far, I've held on okay. Yeah. Remember when um, we went down to, like, uh, we went to that train station or whatever, and we met the Joker? <laughs> oh. I don't know where they were. They went underground somewhere, like a subway station. Of course, I'm referring to corruption. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You don't know. You don't even know. You've forgotten your point you've forgotten your replaced memories <laughs> uh yeah so our brains have become a, a soup of filth yes a delicious soup of filth okay no i like to watch as lisa DeLeo. okay yeah okay um as i say it's a filth soup and the the plots oh it's just everyone's just in a big house fucking all the time <laughs> yes that's basically it okay these movies are confusing well, you know... So that's why I've chosen the 10 that I remember best. And <laughs> yes. that's how my criteria from now on... <laughs> it's just which ones you remember. Yeah. If I don't have to look them up, then that was a good one. That's fair. I feel like if if we have to look it up, odds are it's... Uh... It's slipped through my cracks. Uh, okay. So do you want to get started? We'll have a nice conversation about anywhere from 10 to 20 films, depending on how much our lists overlap. And every year, I'm very curious to see how much they overlap. I feel like ours are going to have at least some overlap, but I have no idea how much. Well, I guess we'll uh, kick it off and see how it goes. So I'm going to start from uh, my number 10. Uh huh. Do we do a break? No. Nah, fuck it. Fuck it. You guys don't get breaks this time. This is this is the stream. Yeah, we're just gonna We're streaming. We're calling it live. Yeah, we're streaming. Fuck it, it we'll do it live. We're streaming. Like on uh Twitch. Yes. Uh did you see that tasteful nudity was allowed on Twitch for like twenty four hours? Or artistic nudity? What happened? Uh Apparently it went off the rails immediately and they they got they uh backtracked on the rule. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> Can't have anything nice. Uh, I think Colony trying to specify artistic nudity though is just uh it's really you're gonna have to like kinda call that as you see it. Yeah. Uh, uh anyhow. Anyhow. Let's get things started with a little afternoon delights. Okay. This is something that I thought might end up on my list and it ultimately didn't. Yeah, this uh, I had I like to watch on my list, but I had mixed it up with this film. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, truly, I do not remember I like to watch, even though at one point it apparently was on my top ten. <laughs> but uh, Afternoon Delights is a, a little film from 1980 by Sean Costello. Yes. Uh, and it's sort of a, a, a vignette film about five gambler down on their luck uh gamblers whose wives have left them who all retell the story of uh when they found their wives had been being uh 
unfaithful. Yes. And this includes uh, uh, quite a lovely cast of uh, ladies. You've got uh, Veronica Hart, Vanessa Del Rio, Serena, and Samantha Fox's are uh, wives. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a, a nice cast of fellows, too, really giving them the business. Uh, Eric Edwards, Bobby Astor. Um, who else do we got in here? Those are the big names. The, and then there's a lot of guys in the theater who really pound out uh, Vanessa Del Rio. Yeah. Which is one of the main, I think, uh, attractions of this film. But uh, in the end, all of these gamblers have realized maybe they were a little too hard on their wives. Yeah, they all they all at the end kind of just want to go home to their wives. Yeah, um, it's kind of a sweet film, and it's a lot of fun for a vignette film. I really like the way the way they set it up to have uh, this kind of the framing device of the card story. Yeah, I think that works. We've had a couple of different films this year about degenerate gamblers that didn't make the list, or at least my <laughs> list. But uh, this one made mine. It's a nice departure for Sean Costello who. Last year, I think, topped our list with water power. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is different than yeah, that Yeah, this one. is much... This is more, I think... He did Pandora's Mirror, right? Yes. Okay, this is maybe more in that realm of at least being softer and not uh, dark and sleazy. Right. So, uh, the, 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 I'd say the, the sex scenes in it are still pretty, you know, sleazy. Especially the theater scene. Yeah, that was nice uh, and dirty. Yeah, so this one was... Uh, this is... That earned it the number 10 spot on uh my list it was uh it was truly an afternoon delight <laughs> you know it was yeah a delightful um, film uh yeah like i said I, I considered putting this on my list i liked it a lot myself uh it was a nice like we have a lot of porn films that we watch that end up being like vignette type situations and this had a nice framework to it um i thought that the artistic taste of them naming the wife the same thing in all of the stories was kind of fun. Yeah, but that was they were, nice. But they were played by different women, so we get a good. Oh yeah, because of, there was because there was that kind of like anonymous aspect of it too. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all wrote down stories about their wives, and they were supposed to guess whose story was whose. Yeah, and then that's what made them all horny. They're like, oh, "Wowie, I didn't know my wife was like this." Yeah, and I need no booga button. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> you got the boing. Oh, yeah. That's still something. The boing is it's underrated. I've been uh, getting a lot of use out of it, though. Um, I would say that, yeah. So the idea was that they were going to uh, take guesses as to whose wife was each story. But at the end of the game, they decided not to tell each other. Mm-hmm. They love to live in the mystery of it. And they were all horned up and ready to go home to their wives. Yep, And we also had a... Uh, I guess what wasn't, uh, we had what technically was not Afternoon Delight as our uh, title song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember? Only legally, yeah. like, only just enough to be legally distinct. And even then, it might not pass in a court of law. <laughs> All right, so my number 10, I'm, I'm going to bet this one isn't on your list. Um, right, take a bet. My number 10 is... Is it about the degenerate gambler? Because if it is, I'll take that bet. (laughs) Mine is... um, I think there's a game of cards being played at one point in it. Uh, This is Sex is Crazy by Jess Franco. Oh, yes. So... uh, You go ahead and tell me about sex was how crazy it was. 
well, I don't know what happened in this movie. Not because I don't remember it, but just because I don't know what happened in the movie. But um, it's a really weird uh, film. <laughs> yeah. That uh, has a uh, framework of uh, an alien abduction to have sex with women. Uh, but maybe that's just a stage show, as most things in Jess Franco films are. Uh, but it, yeah, it opens with uh, a woman being impregnated by aliens, which are just men painted silver, and uh, them being uh, them mechanically penetrating the woman uh, in turn. Uh, and as things go on, things get uh, more and more dreamy and weird, and uh, it's hard to tell what's reality and what's fake. Um, of course, we've got Lena Romay writhing around naked, which I mean, always makes for a good movie. Is, this is the one. Is this where, like, Jess is, like, playing cards in the film? Yes. Okay. All right. I'm recalling this one. We watched every Jess Franco film you made me watch this year was, like, <laughs> some kind of, like, plotless, like, nightmare collage. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a hard time, like, remembering any of them. We did those alligator women films. We did that. Uh, we watched... Um, we didn't watch any of them that had a plot. No, we watched uh, Night of Open Sex, which was the one where, like... Oh, yeah, they went like, the hidden Nazi yeah. treasures on the Canary Islands or whatever. That, so that one, that one had a plot. It did. Okay, At least right. as far as, like, a Jess Franco film has a plot. Yeah, I think he was on to something. I think those things, I think they were, were real. Yes. Uh, but this one is, I mean, it has sort of, it has it's threads so of a plot. But yeah. yes, it is more surreal than anything. And uh, whether or not what you're seeing is real or fake, whether or not it's a it's a dream, a performance, or something that's really happening in the plot is uh, difficult to tell at times. Um, I think at one point... Uh, I think this is the one where there's, yeah, there's a scene where, like, Jess is directing the people on screen and, like, giving them lines, and they're, they, like, redo a scene at one point, and you see him in a mirror as he's uh, calling out stage directions and stuff to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this one, uh, you know, I'm a Jess Franco fan, a Francophile, if you will, <laughs> and uh, this one was... New to me this year, and it was something that, uh, you know, again, I have trouble telling you what exactly happened in it, but uh, it felt good for me to watch. It was a wild ride. It made my brain tingle when I watched it, and I had a lot of fun. And that's what's important when you watch a Jess Franco film. Your brain should feel like someone's jabbing a bunch of needles in it. (laughs) (laughs) But in a good way. Yeah, yeah. It was the year... 2023 will always be remembered as the year that ended Franco February. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Rest I, in peace. Yeah. I forgot that we had decided to end it until our, our fans sent us a letter asking for it to come back. <laughs> so we'll see what happens next year. I think we could dedicate a half a month to just Franco. and a, a, uh, a Frank, Half of just Franco month. Yeah. Two yeah. weeks of Jess. Yeah. That's all you need. <laughs> Maybe we could do two weeks of Jess in February and then two weeks later in the year at some point. Yeah, we have to split it up for the for the sanity of all our listeners. Yeah, to be fair, looking at like our our uh, podcast analytics, it seems like for the past, I think the first year we did Franco February, it was like good all month. 
in the past couple years, like, the first episode does gangbusters, and then it just plummets after that. It's because you pick the weirdest Franco films. I mean, that's fair, but, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're they, Franco films. What are you going to do? They want us to cover um, nice stuff. They don't want us to cover Sex is Crazy. Well, too bad. Well, we don't have to do it again. It's over. Well, yeah, that's true. We can find another weird one. We'll do the se- the return of the alligator ladies. Do we not do that? No, we just so there, there's a, a sequel. Bitch. I know. I because, thought we had done both. No, we just did the first one. Oh, that sucks. The second one is uh, was unfinished by Jess and finished by Antonio Mines. Okay, and oh, uh, it's not good. It's not better. <laughs> It would be hard to not be better. I don't know. It would... I mean, it's the same sort of thing, yeah. but different. Okay, that's fair. Well, uh, but yeah, that's that's my number 10. <laughs> it makes sense. My number 9. Um, I hope everyone's number 9 is Carlos Tobolina's Come Under My Spell. This one also almost made my list. This one didn't make your list? No, I thought about it. It was on my sh- it was on my short list that was longer than ten. Yeah, uh, but I ultimately there were just such so many other ones I wanted on my list. That's fair. Uh, but I loved it. It was it was something that I had suggested that we cover, and like I was disappointed when I realized I didn't have the DVD that this was on. So then I bought it. Oh, good. I'm glad you own this now. <laughs> it's a treasure. Uh, but this is a uh, yeah one of those Carlos Tobolina films. That we like Let to, me interject real quick. We like to cover so often. <laughs> you know how, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but recently Guillermo del Toro uh, posted something on Twitter where he talked about how uh, with the uh, affirm- ephemeral nature of streaming stuff being yeah. as it is, the people who collect physical media are going to be the librarians of the future. Oh, yeah. And uh, think by a, owning think? things like Come Under My Spell... Uh, my collection is very artistically and historically significant. Yeah, we'll get it put in the Library of Congress. <laughs> I'll have them collect your DVDs when you die. Yeah, only <laughs> after I die, though. I need yeah, them no. until then. Yeah, you're going to be a librarian. Yes. You can't be a librarian if you don't have any materials. Yeah, people can knock on my window and be like, Hey, I want Too Naughty to say no. And I'll mm. be like, Yes, sir, give me your library card. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And as long as they've uh, returned what they had before and paid their overdue fees, we're good to go. That's very nice of you. Yeah. Anyhow, come (laughs) under my spell. I think you'd be a fine librarian. You've already got the glasses. I do have glasses. That's just what they all need. Because i got to read all them little words. Yes. Yeah. It's easier to do with glasses, I guess. But coming... Do you know what? Anyone can read a book on hypnosis, even Fernando. Oh, yes, even Fernando. And uh, this is another Fernando feature, uh, following on from other Fernando hits, like uh, Carnal Highways. And And I Am Always Ready. And I Am Always Ready, of course. Uh, And this one is, uh, it's great. It's just, uh, our boy gets a book on hypnosis and wants to learn how to have sex with women, and... It works. <laughs> yes, it works. It does. So well that he ends up in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. 
And it's basically like the end of Philadelphia. Yeah. He, <laughs> oh no. He uh, fortunately along the way he uh, betrays his friend and uh, I think takes his lady. Yes. Yes, he does. And uh, I believe she dies. She does she die? Fernando dies. Fernando dies. I don't think she dies. Someone goes to visit Fernando's grave, though. Yes, they do. And that's I uh, think yeah the really the really goofy premise that just becomes like incredibly melodramatic by the end. I think really sold this one for me. Yeah, it's uh, great for that. Yeah, a whole lot happens, and you can't always say that about a Carlos Tobolina film. That's true. Um, yeah. So while this one might not be like as technically competent or uh, even uh, narratively as competent as something like Afternoon Delights, yeah, uh, this one does exceed the usual fare you would get from a Carlos Tobolina, and uh, that's how it made it to my best my best list. Is number nine. Uh, I just uh, I think this film's just great fun. Uh, this I don't remember too much of the sex in it to be honest, which is that's fair for a Carlos Tobolina scene. It's <laughs> right. It's usually not shot super well. And I think this stuff might even like reuse some of the same shots a couple times. Yes. Uh, as you would expect. But, uh, just for like a, a bonkers plot, this one rates up there with uh, jungle blue as my favorite of, uh, Tobolina's films, uh, along with carnal highways as well. And, uh, like I said, we've, we talked a lot about, uh, I think this past year or two, even we've really come to uh, reassess him from the time when we first covered pulsating flesh. Uh, I assumed every time we would watch one of his films, it would just be a confusing, slow moving nightmare. And while that's sometimes true, not always. <laughs> yeah. It's in, it, he has a tendency to have at least one, high concept idea in a film yeah and whether or not he takes it to the finish line and gets something great out of that really varies um that's why generally speaking i enjoy watching his movies uh even if they're not particularly good because there's usually something for me to be interested in with it but uh this is one of the better ones as far as execution's concerned. Yeah. Uh, I would still say something like Mei Lin versus Serena works a little bit better for me because I think that the sex in that film is actually pretty good. Yeah, they end up in that tub. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, they bang those uh, cops in jail and mm-hmm. they fuck at like a Chinese restaurant or yeah, something. Yeah, they go all over the town. Yeah. yeah they yeah. get arrested for it. Yeah, yeah they... They filth up that entire town. It's a great time. Yeah, but this is a 2022. Yeah, film. that is. That's why it didn't make my list. I think that it made sense. my list last year. It did. Um, and this one made this list this year. And one thing I like about this film mm-hmm. is that uh, on, if you look at the poster, the word cum looks like a bunch of cum. It sure does. It's <laughs> uh, it's gloppy and dripping. Yeah, and that rules. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, it's just the kind of filmmaking that I got into this podcasting business to cover. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Kind words for Carlos Tobolina in 2023. And here's to more trips down those carnal highways in 2024. Yes. All right. So my number nine was something that was actually a Patreon uh, movie 
or a movie that we covered on Patreon. But yeah. So our, our regular listeners who yeah. are not Patreon subscribers not might not familiar. know about it. Yeah, I might not either. Go ahead. Uh, this film is titled Bobby Socks. Okay. We, I got that mixed up with another one we covered last week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, this one's Bobby Socks, directed by... Paul Thomas. Yes. So, uh, yeah, this was uh, the first film that we covered directed by Paul Thomas, I believe. Uh, and it uh, it's, it's one of the few films that we've covered from the 90s. Uh, and we get to uh, see some of the stars of the era, including Stephen St. Croix mm -hmm. uh, and the lovely Nikki Tyler taking uh, the lead female role. Uh, but we also have Shannon McCullough, who we know from the 80s, and uh, in a major role, Jamie Gillis, who we know from just being an all-time great. Yeah. Uh, and in this one, Jamie Gillis is an aging alcoholic actor, which is probably not too uh, separated from reality. Yeah, I don't know Jamie how... Gillis of the 90s. That sounds about right. I think he's probably, he's probably tying a few on. Speaking of, we're back in Brown after... It's been kind of a, it's been a several recording sessions since we've had anything brown. Oh, I, yeah. But I we feel got, quite loose. Yeah, we got these Modellos going. Yeah, we got tall boys. They're tall boys for tall boys. Yes, they are. It's and my hands are very small, so they look extremely large. It looks great in, in my his hand. hand. It looks like a little, like a lady's holding it. <laughs> but yeah, it's tall boys for our tall boys. It's T for T. <laughs> T for T for T indeed. Yes. Uh but yeah, in Bobby Socks, um yeah, Jamie Gillis, uh Jeremy in the film. Oh yeah. Uh is coming to a town to promote his B movie that's coming out. Um with a crazy like creature from the Black Lagoon monster type thing in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's and, a gill uh, man. Yeah, he's a gill man. Uh but in the meantime he uh Jamie Gillman. Oh, yeah, Jamie Gilman. Yeah. Uh, but he enlists the services of Sherry to try to uh, help promote the film. But he's, of course, having his uh, midlife crisis breakdown as this is all going on. Meanwhile, Sherry's uh, having difficulty with her relationship with Nick, played by Stephen St. Croix. And Jeremy is starting to fall for Sherry's mother, Olive, Shanna McCullough. Uh, which results in a nice kind of film dom adjacent scene with him towards the end of the film as he's hiding in the attic like E.T. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's up there and franking it. Yeah. Uh, and this yeah, was... We were getting edgy on the jokes on this episode. <laughs> Did a Philadelphia one a minute ago. <laughs> All right, well... But uh, regardless, yeah, this... is this the brown does to us. This is a pretty great film of the 90s at... Uh, shows one of the great porn stars of the 70s and 80s taking a directorial role in his later years, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that we may see later on in this list as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but in this case, uh, you it, know... It's kind of funny that, like, Jamie Gillis's, uh his colleagues, I guess you want to call them, like his, uh, his peers, mm -hmm. went on to sort of do respectable pornography films like kind of like tying back to the earlier career and he just did on the prowl yeah 
<laughs> He's like, actually, all this acting stuff sucks. I just want to shove ladies' heads into toilets. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting, for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, it seems like Jamie Gillis's 90s weren't quite as uh, vibrant yeah, they as, as those of some of his peers. Yeah. Uh, they're, they went down a, a darker path, yeah. but, uh, you know... He's still hanging in there and delivering good performances, so we yeah. got that going. Yeah, who can who can argue? Uh, but yeah, that was my number nine, Bobby Socks. If you've uh, not joined our Patreon, patreon.com slash raincoat report, you can find that episode up there from January. Yeah, yeah we, uh, as we talked well about that as, uh, one a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. As well as, uh, you know, two episodes every month where we talk about movies and uh TV shows and uh, and Pornhub and Kink.com and all, all kinds, of kinds of stuff. Yeah, we're doing all sorts of things over there. All kinds of filth. It's um yeah. It's a little more experimental and on the fly. We're doing a lot of research. This is on the fly. I'm looking up the fucking like movies as I go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a little. It's a little. Uh, it's a little loose. It's a little loose today, um, but yeah, our Patreon. It's a little more experimental. In fact, uh, coming up. Come. This Friday, I believe, our recording schedule has my brain messed up, but uh, we while we are missing an episode of the main show, we're not missing an episode of the Patreon, so whenever the next Patreon goes up, which I believe is this Friday, if you're listening to this when it drops, uh, we are talking about the final episodes of The Sex Factor, the X-Hamster porn reality series, and we get to find out who truly has, at least according to these judges, the sex factor? But Jeremy, what did you have for number eight? My number eight is 1992's Leather Dreams. That is higher on my list. Well, then let's move on. All right. My number eight is Candy Stripers. All right. Uh, this, this is a Bob Chin special. It sure was. It's incredibly special, especially the one we watched, because it was the restored edition. Yes, so in this, a uh, group of nurses... Uh, candy stripers. Yes, volunteer nurses, candy stripers. I don't even think they get to do... Do they even get... To, they take vitals? Yes. I don't know. Yeah. I think I saw them put a blood pressure cuff on someone's dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that happened or There's not. There's some sponge bathing. There is some sponge bathing. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is... A Bob Chin workplace comedy uh, that gets pretty filthy. In fact, it was uh, notoriously cut due to the amount of fisting going on. Yes. Uh, I believe all of the fisting was cut out of it at one point or another, but there is, in fact, a double fisting in this film, in, in fact. Yeah, that's, um, I really haven't seen that before. No. Not so much hand inside of a person. Yeah, that's a lot of hand. It's two hand. Yes, it's double hands. It's like two-hand touch. <laughs> but uh, even beyond that and the filthy sex in it, it's a, it's a fun little comedy. We get a, a day in the life. What do you think it life. feels like to have two hands inside of you? Uh, it feels twice as good as having one hand inside of you. Especially if they're your little hands. Yeah, my little hands. My little hands, they fit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're going to make... Um, We'll get like a. We're gonna do a plaster cast of your fist and market them as like my little hands. So it was like the, <laughs> those little rubber fists, like a smaller version of that. Yeah. Yeah. 
That sounds like a good marketing idea. I we'll, think it is. We'll do it. We'll do it. The petite, it's for petite fisters. And then we could just, just screen print on the side, patreon.com slash raincoat report. Yeah, it'll just be on the, I'll write it in marker. I don't care. <laughs> Got to make it permanent so it doesn't rub off inside a person. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, overall, uh, you know, it tells the story of a, a woman's last day as a candy striper, uh, the amount of time she spends not going and doing like what she's supposed to be doing and just having sex with the doctors and patients and, uh, you know, the things that the other doctors, candy stripers and patients get into, uh, Sarge, the head of the candy stripers, at the end of the day as they get into the party, uh, really throws off her chains and has a wild time herself. And uh, it's a it's a fun little time. I wouldn't say it's Bob Chin's best film, but what it is is a fun film to watch uh, and uh, has some crazy sex in there to boot. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a pretty nice one. As far as the Bob Chin workplace comedies go, it definitely isn't up above, you know, a, a Pizza Girls. Yeah. But I think it beats out one another one we covered this year, Sweet Young Foxes. Yes. Sweet Young Foxes was more dramatic. Yeah. It had Paul Thomas playing a piano. Yeah. Uh, or was that a different one? That there was, was so Let's many. Get Physical. Okay. Both Bob Chin films. That's the one where Paul Thomas's legs stop working. And he's all sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He can't beat his wife anymore. Yeah, Sweet Young Foxes. Uh, <laughs> Sweet Young Foxes. Hypatia Lee is a college girl. Okay, and she's there. That's not a workplace. No, it's, it's a not. place of learning. But uh, I told it, you I don't remember these movies. <laughs> <laughs> but her and her friends, including her friend that's got a crazy drug problem, all decide to go to a party and oh, get laid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I loved it. I forgot that her friend had just like an unexplained drug problem. And they, they didn't seem to, like, they were supportive enough to, like, wake her up and make sure she was alive. Yeah, but they were. But then they were like, let's go to this party and get yeah. trashed. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. Never mind. That movie rules. That's good to be, that's good behavior. But uh, Let's Get Physical was also dramatic. Yeah, he's in a dance class. She was a ballet, like, instructor, and Paul Thomas was upset because he can never dance again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> stuck in the wheelchair and yeah, uh, playing sad song. piano. <laughs> yeah. uh, both of those are memorable, but neither of those made my top ten list, and this one did because it was it was a more it's fun more, watch, top, top to bottom. It's definitely more memorable, I think, just for, uh, you know. Those are more conceptually amusing, and this is more, uh, as you're watching it, amusing. Yes, yeah, I remember just grinning in delight once the fisting started and they started playing a song about it hurts so good or oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just good filmmaking, you know? Yeah. Scorsese. It's like a Scorsese needle drop really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's great. All right. What do you have next? I guess number seven for you. My seventh film was a fan submission. Okay. Uh, and this film was called regarding Jenny. Okay, this one didn't make my list. I could see how it would not. Uh, it, it is, is not it is a, very memorable, though. It is not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, for those of you who, for some reason, didn't listen, this is uh, 
maybe not the first, but one of the earliest films to uh, feature in its starring role a real doll. Yes. Um, Our actress is inanimate. She still has strong stage presence, screen presence, you know, despite all that. Because she's just kind of sitting there in the middle of the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The story of it was kind of like, as best as I can remember, was sort of like a melodramatic kind of almost like the room type thing where like she kept like cheating on him, even though she's just a doll that was late. Like she's like relocated to this place to like be like a porn star with her like production crew boyfriend. And he keeps like leaving her around the set, and people keep fucking her, and then he gets mad about it. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, uh, it's so bizarre that it's definitely if you can track down a copy, it's worth watching. Yes, uh, it's not erotic at all. No, it's barely like it barely beats like most shot on video horror films in terms of uh, like you know just like film quality. Yeah, but uh, none of those films have a big doll that gets fucked. No, this one, um, yeah, you could give this anywhere from 0.5 stars to 5 stars. And, and it, would, it all means it would, about the same. Yeah, it's, I mean, I yeah, I am of two minds of it. Uh, in some ways, it's kind of dull, and, like, there are these moments where these, like, production crew members are talking production stuff and like movies and stuff and it just like makes my eyes roll in the back of my head because it's very uh as the kids would say cringeworthy mm-hmm. um but at the same time there's there's this feeling that you're watching something completely off the rails that is uh, appealing to me uh, it is not like any movie I've ever seen before, and perhaps not like anything I'll see again. Um, it's it's wild, and yeah. the fact that Jenny is a doll and just lays there motionless. I think there are a couple shots where you see like her hand moving, just from like it being moved off screen. Yeah, and it, it it's. It's wild, because, uh, yeah, everybody treats her like a real woman, but at the same time, she gets left on a couch, and one of the production guys comes in and is like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to fuck her, and he just yeah. comes in and fucks her. And uh, then her like boyfriend gets upset about it, and I was like, you can't leave her alone, and you can't leave her near an open flame, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's fine, but... Uh, that one is just going to be one of those films I probably remember for the rest of my life, even if I don't go back to watch it yeah. anytime soon. And, you know, maybe I will. Maybe I'll subject someone else to it. You probably should. It's like The Ring. I think I have to. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to die in seven days, but I don't know. Like a real doll could like... Without like a, a real, a real doll, doll crawl, crawl out, out of your well. TV? Yeah, crawl out of my television. <laughs> and then what? I don't know. I don't. I don't want that. So the only thing I can do, you're gonna have to move out and tell Carol you're leaving. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> I have to move out, and I'm like you have a new uh, tenant. A new tenant. <laughs> and he's like, this is just a doll, and I was like, yeah, but don't turn your back on her, <laughs> and don't leave. <laughs> don't leave her don't by leave an open, open flame. flame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's such a good. I get so much mileage out of that. Uh. That's beautiful, though. Um, 
Yeah, that that's my number, what, seven? Eight? Yeah. I don't know what number it is. Yeah, that was your number seven. My number seven uh, might be... So, well, we'll see. Okay. My number seven is champagne for breakfast. That's on my list. Let me see where, though. I don't, why did I close it? Yeah, that one's further up mine. Let's, okay, let's, let's we'll keep get moving. back to that. Okay. Uh, well, go for your number six, then. I just talked about regarding Jenny. You talk about your number six. Your number six was regarding Jenny? No, my number seven was regarding Jenny. Okay. So, okay, so I'll talk about my number six now. Yes. <laughs> Uh, this was 1985's Voyeur. That is further up on my list. All right, let's roll. See, you worried about 45 minutes. Now we're getting to like the meat of it where we're just going to be like further, further up. All right. So my number six is hard gore. Oh, that's further up my list. Okay. (laughs) What's your number five then? Oh, you'd like me to tell you that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I would. (laughs) Well, my number five is... This ain't Happy Days Triple X Two. Fonzie loves Pinky. That did not make my list, so I'm... I can understand why you were not really as amused by it as I am. But that's because you're not. Uh... I'm not a Happy Days child. Yeah, you weren't. Yeah, you were not a happy child. Your, <laughs> your childhood was deprived because you didn't know anything about the Fonz, Potsy, or Ralph Mouth, or uh, Squiggy. <laughs> <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, I guess not. Uh, or the Cunningham family. Yeah. They're great. You got You uh, had to teach me all about. I did. And they had that brother that went upstairs and never came back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all there. Uh, this was an Axel Braun feature. Now, we had intended to cover the first one, but Boss once again downloaded the sequel instead of the first film. Yes, in uh, this case... Uh, I only saw this one where I uh, uh, acquired it uh, less than legally. Legally, <laughs> that's okay. Um, but you know, since I was pretty familiar with the Happy Days concept in and of itself, it really wasn't too much of a, a, a stretch for me to really get into it and ignore the uh, continuity issues that I would have from watching the sequel first. I will say that. Even not having seen the original, um, the original porn parody, that is. Yeah. Uh, it definitely seems like Axel Braun put more effort into this sequel than he did the sequel to Avatar Triple X, oh, which we cer- recently covered on Patreon. Yes. Oh, yes. And of course, uh, this is also a Patreon only feature. So, oh, yes. If you're listening to our top 10 and you're not subscribed, you're missing out on a whole lot because our ramblings here are not, uh, indicative of the whole episodes which are fantastic and full of uh great jokes cheer and delight yeah you really get into it but uh yeah this one is the sequel to the first one uh and as far as the plot goes you have uh fonzie's upset that his uh his one true love pinky tuscadero has uh left him yeah but uh, you know what? Her little sister's there to make up for it. Yes, she sure is. Yeah, Leather Tuscadero. Yeah. And as well, we get the adventures of uh, Potsy when he's mistaken for the Fonz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lori Beth asks Richie Cunningham to study, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And uh, Marianne gets into a little trouble down at uh, the 
the elk oh, the leopard lodge i'm sorry yeah yeah um he's trying to arrange a little entertainment for the grand poobah uh, <laughs> he wasn't expecting that to be his wife indeed uh, this one's great it's a love letter to happy days uh and i feel like boss said this one a lot more production value and effort went into it everything from the theme song to the uh scene wipes is lifted right from the show yeah uh, and while this one might lack a little bit on plot, it is, much as the original Happy Days, sure to bring on uh, warm waves of nostalgia. Yeah, I'll say as somebody who was not too familiar with Happy Days, like I know who Fonzie is and like yeah. the gist of the show, but I wasn't really familiar with all of the side characters and stuff. Like, um, I mean, this was still enjoyable. I wasn't picking up on all of the references as much right but it was a fun sex comedy and of course it is uh that new sloppy style of sex that's always sure. fun to watch yeah and the sex scenes don't go on like interminably long no they're a little bit longer than perhaps they need to be but they're not like some of the porn films that we watch where they're like 40 minutes long each and then there's like no time for plot yeah no this one gets in like a full Happy Days episodes worth of twists and turns. Yeah. It's all good. Um, I'd like to go back and watch the original at some point, but what I really want is to for him to do a sequel, mm -hmm. the long-awaited one where Fonzie fucks a shark. <laughs> Excellent. You. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's good performances all through that one. Uh Tommy Gunn, who we will talk about again on oh, this yeah. week's episode of Patreon. Yes, we will. Uh, plays the Fonz. And uh, I think he carries the role with uh, gusto and esteem. Uh, Raquel Devine plays uh, Marion Cunningham as a very excellent MILF. Mm -hmm. uh, James Bartholet is an excellent uh, Howard Cunningham. He's a spitting image of Tom Bosley. And his <laughs> name was in there. It just took a second to roll it out. Right. Um, yeah. The, so I'd say it's an excellent, much like the original happy days was a look back from the seventies on the fifties. Mm -hmm. This ain't happy days is a two thousands. Look back at the seventies, looking at the fifties and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know, it's like, it's a neurotic film but done in the new sloppy style. Yeah. That didn't exist in the seventies, just as the fifties didn't exist in the seventies of happy days. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. You can think about it for it's a while. It's very layered. It's layered. Just like one of Marion's famous pies. <laughs> All right. Um, what's your number? Whatever we, we, we busted number through five. a lot of numbers. All right. Uh, uh, we'll see if this one's on your list. All right. Uh, perhaps not. My number five is Love Toy. That did not make my list. It came okay. close, though. Yeah, Love Toy is one of my favorite Doris Wishman films. Um, this is not a hardcore film, but what it is is a wild softcore film. It's exploitation, softcore, yeah. something like that. It is uh, about a degenerate gambler. <laughs> That's been the theme of this year. Yes. One of them, at least. Uh, who... Uh, decides to bet his uh, daughter in a game of cards and loses. 
And uh, therefore, this guy decides to uh, sneak into this guy's daughter's room and uh, make his daughter play out the fantasy roles that he has in his mind, which are uh, multiple. Yeah, they're a little crazy. Uh, This film is pretty wild from the get-go, the start. I think that the uh, star... Uh, lady in the film, uh, I believe it's uh, Chris, played by Pat Happel. Uh, Happel? Pat Happel. Uh, she is gorgeous and plays her role very well. Mm-hmm. There's just this uh, really odd energy the entire film. Uh, because, yeah, there's this guy who's uh, trying to make her do things, but he's like trying to make her do things like pretend to be his wife where he gets in an argument with his wife yeah they're kind of like silly and uh frivolous yes they have these just bizarre vignettes i guess between them role-playing uh Mm -hmm. he has her role-playing being his mother um and you know there's also the just general weird uh, forced sex aspect of it, but mm-hmm. it never gets like a really grimy feel to yeah, it because at as... the end of the day, Chris seems to uh, have control of the situation the whole time. Yeah. She's outsmarting him at every step. And uh, I don't know. It's just a really wild film. Um when we watched it for the podcast, it was the second time that I had watched it. And yeah. uh, even watching it a second time, I was like, this this movie is fucking wild. Yeah, it's and interesting. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's interesting that it doesn't get like as sleazy as you think it could, considering it is a, like a Doris Wishman film, and she has that capability. She has that capability, but she also has the capability of taking something that should be taken seriously and fumbling it to the point where it just becomes hilarious. That's a good point. Uh, and of course, as a Doris Wishman film, there's a lot of like people talking where you can't see their mouths and yeah. uh, weird overdubbing and uh, shots that don't make any sense. Uh, in addition to the guy who's tormenting this gambler's daughter, there's the gambler himself who gets tied up and uh, tormented by the... Uh, uh, winning better's wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think th- this year, I think we also did uh, Satan was a lady. Yes, that was right at the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah. That was another Doris Wishman film. And yeah. I was thinking when you were talking about like all the overdubbing and stuff, it made me think a lot because that one has a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one is a hardcore film, whereas this is, like you said, it's more of a sexploitation film. Right. But, yeah. uh, it's just a real brain melter, and it was a delight to watch because they don't make them like this anymore. No, That's for sure. Yeah, I need to go back and watch it because it's one of those ones that was kind of on, going to be on my list, but I was just kind of, my memories of it were a little too faint to really like uh, truly express my appreciation for it, I guess. Yeah, you should make Sally watch it with you. I think I should. I should make anyone who will sit next to me, anyone who will <laughs> sit in the same room with me should have to watch all of these films. Yeah, you'll you can make you can make Carol watch uh, love love toy with you. I'm gonna make Carol watch hard gore. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's so was that your five? Yeah, or your four. That so was my well. Uh, that was my five. Well, then I'll do my four. My number four is a little film 
called Champagne for Breakfast. Okay, yes. Is that um, is this your number four? This was my number seven. Oh, that's we right. Skipped past we skipped past it. it. That's right. Yes. Okay. I should have pulled this up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Champagne for Breakfast is a film directed by Chris Warfield. Yeah, it was one we covered not even like really like a month ago. It's a late addition to our to our top 10, but uh, I think it's a, uh, a a very good film. It kind of fits into that uh, mid-80s couple films, rom-com sort of, yeah. as our, handles our uh, two leads, John Leslie mm-hmm. as a uh, bodyguard. Yep. And... Leslie Bovey. Leslie Bovey. Who uh, Leslie Bovine plays? <laughs> who plays Champagne? Yes. The, yeah. This is right in the middle of America talking more and more about women in the workplace. Oh yeah. And uh, you know the seventies was all about women's empowerment and stuff. And once we get into the eighties, where we gotta take it back. Money's big, and all of a sudden there's all this uh, talk about money as power. The idea of women being in positions of power. Uh, is more of a national conversation going on, and this taps into that with uh, uh, Champagne being promoted to an executive role in the company. Yeah. And uh, seeing that she has the opportunity to use her power to get what she wants Mm -hmm. uh, as one of the other executives, uh, Bonnie Holiday, Peggy, uh, tends to throw her power around. But Champagne's a little bit more cautious about it. But, uh, you know, after she gets this promotion, she decides it's time for a vacation. And while she's on vacation, she needs some security. And that security comes in the form of Harry, played by John Leslie. Harry Davenport. Yes. Named after famous actor, stage and screen. Mostly stage, because he's so old. Yeah. Harry Davenport. Grandfather of whatever Rankin from Rankin base. Yeah. <laughs> but that's unrelated to the film. Uh, this one's really cute. It's got some, it also has some really good sex, mostly featuring uh, John Leslie's dick. Yeah. And a, a number of scenes. Um, but yeah, like you said, we have Leslie Bovey. We have John Leslie. Whoa. If they got married, her name would be Leslie Leslie. Think about that. I will. Um, <laughs> but you also have uh, Candy Barber, uh, Kay Parker, and uh, Candida Royale, as well as Sharon Kane in small bit roles. So this one's, uh, this one's star-packed. It sure is. And it's just, a, it's just a fun comedy film, like a lighthearted little comedy about how hard it can be to be a bodyguard. And, uh, you know, how hard it is to uh, be a woman, especially in this crazy mixed up world where yeah. construction workers will pour slits in your vagina. <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, and, of course, it's worth noting that part of the ruse of this is a threes company situation where Harry is uh, pretending to be gay. Oh, yeah. So because- we do get... Yeah. Because he thought that she didn't want a straight guy to be her bodyguard. So, yeah, we get a lot of John Leslie, you know, uh, gaying it up. Yeah, and talking talking a little effeminately and uh, saying... Shaking his nails and so forth. Yes. Yeah. 
it's a it's a really fun movie. Uh, like you said, a good couples movie. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was a it was a delight to watch, and it was one of my favorite films of the year. Yeah, you put it a little bit higher than I did, but mm-hmm. uh, it was definitely one of the movies that I was thinking about first when I started putting this list together. Yeah. So, you know, that's one. You should check it out. But for now, we must go to... What are we going to? Why do I keep number, closing this fucking book? My number four. What's your number four? My number four was one that you mentioned already. Leather Dreams. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, it's uh, it's a, ni- a wild mystery from 1992. <laughs> uh, directed by Francis Leroy... Uh, and it is a French film, but its Frenchness isn't that important because there is essentially no dialogue. But what there is, is a mystery sex tape that, uh, blends the reality, or blends the boundary between reality and sexual fantasy, as IMDb puts it. Oh, and uh, it is, in some ways, a tribute to Videodrome. In some ways, yes. Um, but in other ways, it's just a weird BDSM-tinged, surreal sex film. That's absolutely true. Uh, I like this a lot when we watched it. Yeah. It, it has a, a nice tone to it a mysterious kind of dark almost horror tone but at mm-hmm. the same time the the sex is really uh nasty but well shot yeah uh you know there's like a bunch of dicks coming out of a tv there are a bunch of dicks that come out of the tv <laughs> at one point um yeah a lot of a lot of like dreamy sequences mm-hmm. uh it was just a lot of fun to watch yeah uh, we're this past year, I think we've been getting more into like the video era, and this is there've been a couple of good uh, examples of that, and I think this would definitely uh, fall under that category for sure. Uh, yeah, this is a uh, like you said, it's a very dreamy film. It's essentially it's not like a silent film, but there's no dialogue, as you mentioned, which uh, adds to the atmosphere a lot uh it does help to know that going in though i think yeah yeah um i don't think it's prominently mentioned that there's like no dialogue and i know that can sometimes be a stumbling block for people but uh i don't know, just light up a bowl and just uh have a leather dream yeah just uh just sit back and enjoy it yeah don't worry about so much stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh this is, it, it's a very, it's a beautiful film, mm-hmm. and I love it, and uh, it's a it's a good nightmarish mindfuck, and uh, really horny. So, yes. yeah. Right. I, I guess that's about all I have to say. Yeah, that's, um, I think you've summed up about what I would have to say as well. Yeah. It's a film that asks, are you watching porn, or is porn watching you? Oh, yeah. And always watch out when somebody leaves a VHS tape at a bus stop. Yeah, you got to be careful just picking up random VHS tapes. You don't know what's going to be on that. You could see something you really don't want to see. Like six dicks popping out of your TV screen. Or maybe you do want to see it. Yeah, that would maybe be like, that's not even like the worst case scenario. No, not at all. You could have a real doll come out of your television. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yes. 
Yeah, so what are we on to? My number three? Yes, your number three. My number three is John Leslie's directorial debut, Dog Walker. Okay, that was not his directorial debut, yes, it and was. it's higher on my list. Okay, but it was his directorial debut. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so my number three is uh, something you've mentioned already, and that is Chuck Vincent's Voyeur. Uh, yes, excellent. Uh, this is a fun neo-noir sex film yeah. from Chuck Vincent, who has directed uh, just countless films, especially uh, I've seen a few of his like sex comedies in the 80s. Yeah. Um, this is a hardcore film, though. And, uh, you know, when it comes to sex films, sex films that approach the idea of voyeurism are always kind of interesting to me because... It's meta in a indirect way. Yeah. Uh, and that's why a lot of like sex, uh, a lot of Jess Franco stuff uh, kind of appeals to me because he has a very voyeuristic style in the way that he films things. Yeah. Um, but in this case, it's more about uh, the situations that the characters are being put into. So in this film, uh, we have a taxi driver who ends up taking the role of a uh, private detective in this case. Yeah. Uh, being told that he needs to follow a woman who... Uh, I think we're led be. to believe is to maybe having an affair on her rich right. husband. Yes. Yes. Um, so this is uh, Robert Bullock is Julius, who gets pulled into this situation. And he's following around Sherry St. Clair, who plays Lauren Aldrich. And uh, along the way, Lauren has a bunch of different uh, flings with their with uh, various partners. But at the same time, we have uh, Julius's uh, life kind of falling apart. He has this relationship with Shelley, played by Tyja Ray, mm -hmm. who, uh, which is kind of a warm relationship at first. But as he's following around uh, this Lauren woman and. Uh, recording her with his video camera to get yeah. evidence of whatever's going on. Um, yeah, his relationship with Shelly starts to get cold, and he becomes obsessed with what's going on with this Lauren woman. Yeah, he's he like has like this obsession with like filming like everything at that point as well. Yes, when he first gets the camera, there's this awesome sex scene. Uh, I think I might have brought it up on a recent episode, but mm -hmm. where they're where him and Shelly his. Uh, girlfriend or wife or whatever his partner yes uh have sex in front of the camera and kind of watch themselves on the tv as it's going on because the camera's hooked up directly to the tv mm -hmm. and uh you know we've have that voyeurism right out of the gate with them just having sex with each other but the thing is that the person who has given him this job to follow this lauren woman won't give him any details and he becomes completely obsessed with trying to figure out what the deal is with yes. this Lauren woman, what they want with her, who the client is, who wants this information. And uh, ultimately, the answers, I would say, are unexpected. But along the way, we have appearances from people such as uh, George Payne mm -hmm. and Jack Wrangler and Sharon Kane. Yes. Uh, along with uh, a pretty wide cast of people who are less notable in the adult industry, at least. Um, 
Overall, this was a really fun film that leans into uh, a psychological horror type uh, yeah, bend. It's definitely, yeah, definitely psychological thriller. Uh, kind of, kind world. of in a way like uh, Leather Dream. So I guess that's why it ends up so high on my list. Yeah, if they got a camera and they're pointing it at you while you're watching the movie, that's just the kind of movie you want to watch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah this one is a. Uh, I really enjoyed this as well. It's very well shot. Uh, of course, cinematographer legend Larry Ravine handles that. Yeah. Um, I'm learning on IMDb that this was sort of remade as an R-rated film by Vincent called If Looks Could Kill. Interesting. And that that has Veronica Hart and Jamie Gillis in it. So I would be interested in uh, checking that out at some point. Yeah, I'll have to uh, remember that. Yeah, you'll have to remember it. But uh, Voyeur. It's a movie that watches you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I really like this one. You said pretty much anything else I could uh, say about it, but uh, I was surprised this one popped up in uh, that erotic thriller documentary that came out earlier this year. Yes. Yeah, that's a long movie, and or it's a long film, or it's a long documentary. Yeah, it was like uh, two and a half hours long yeah, or something. Yeah, but it was surprising to see this one pop up because... Not there are other adult films I could say that would fit this that didn't come up in that. So, uh, but this probably might be because Chuck Vincent also had kind of a career outside of adult film doing similar stuff, right? Like remaking this, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, this one's definitely uh, it's definitely well worth a watch. Uh, Excellent. It's a it's a tale as old as time. A man gets a video camera. It's obsessed with. Watching himself jack off. (laughs) All right. Brings us to number two. Two was my. Did I do my number three? What was your number three? It's Dog Walker. Okay, it's higher on your list. Oh, that was higher on your list. Okay. Number two, Mm -hmm. a climax of blue power. Okay, this one didn't make my list. It was on my my pre trimmed list. Yeah. But uh, ultimately. It was a, it was a little more grimy than uh, than my preferences are. That's fair. Uh, I love it grimy. Yeah, I know. It, it's definitely an accomplished film. Yeah, this <laughs> it follows uh, Eddie, a disturbed loner who would really like to be a cop, and uh, for one reason or another, uh, can't get into that job. Instead, taking on a, a role as private security at night. Which freezes days up for dressing up like a cop <laughs> and going around and uh, mostly just harassing sex workers. Yeah, I'd imagine the reason he can't get a job as a cop is that he's a lunatic. That doesn't usually stop them. <laughs> well, that's that's that just tells you he's, how bad off he is. Yeah, he's too open. Yeah, that's one of the things is like you learn about serial killers is like a lot of the times they like try to like ingratiate themselves with like the police and stuff. Yeah, and I'm like they hire some real lunatics. So if they're like. Being like, man, this guy's a creep. I should say something. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, he's got to not be so open about it, I guess. But uh, inevitably, during all this LARPing, he does come across a real crime. Yeah. Uh, a murder that uh, he gets involved in trying to uh, sort of bring this woman to justice, but also punish her because women are sluts. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, his uh, That's his M.O. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is, as Boss said, one of those very uh, dark films. 
Do you remember who directs that one? It's, it's escaping. Me. Oh, it's Lee Frost. Okay, who did a bunch of. I know him from doing a bunch of like Mondo films. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, and yeah, Lee this, Frost is the the kind of name you would expect to direct a film with a title like this. It just fits. Yeah, He's a cold and icy son of a bitch. But um, yeah, this one didn't make your list. But uh, you know, anytime somebody takes the law into their hands. I just want to, I like to see what goes down, you know, <laughs> uh, this one has a lot of, uh, insane psychological, uh, thrills to it. Okay. Yeah. Lee Frost directed Mondo Bizarro and Mondo Freudo. Uh, he also directed the defilers, which I watched recently, which is another soft core, like weird, Sounds dark right. film. Yeah. Uh, this is hardcore, to be clear. Yes, but, he's uh, a dark the man. Def- the Defilers was a softcore film. He also directed the Nazi exploitation film Love Camp Seven. Yes, I which remember, is fairly I notorious. It, yeah, I think I had brought that up maybe when we talked about it originally. But yeah, this one's uh, oh, and the Black Gestapo. Oh, of course, yes. Black Gestapo is uh, not a great film, but maybe has one of the best posters ever. I do love the poster. I haven't actually watched it yet. The film is just okay. Uh, to me, I think there's other better black exploitation films you could cover, but it is hard to beat that poster. Uh, Dark Force <laughs> Video released a 4K version of uh, the Black Gestapo recently. What a world. Yeah. Back in like <laughs> 2003, I got it on like one of those like sets you would get at like Best Buy with like six other movies in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like a... It was like the Black Vengeance set. One of the <laughs> other ones was called uh, The Black Six, which rules. It's got like a bunch of 70s NFL guys as mm-hmm. like uh, Vietnam veterans who ride motorcycles who like ride into town to like fight like a white gang, like a white <laughs> Nazi gang. It's great. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you can check that one out too if you want. <laughs> um, I, I'll put that on my 2023 list as well. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, Boss, what's your number two? So my my pick for number two and number one was a tough battle. Okay. But you know what? I'm going to buck what I wrote down on this list, and I'm going to switch them up. Switch it out. So my number two is going to be Dog Walker. All right. That's when I wrote this li- list, yeah. yes. When I wrote this list, I actually put it as number one, but I've decided that my number two is now my number one. And we you will get, get to surgery that for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Dog Walker, as uh, was covered very recently on this. Uh, oh no, that was a Patreon. Yeah. Once so, again, if you're just a, a free sell, you're not. That's what I'm calling people who listen to it for free. There's <laughs> free sells. Uh, you're not getting all the goodies. No, this was uh, the last Patreon episode that we did. Next year, my top ten is just going to be things from Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, in this case, we have a film directed by John Leslie. So, going back to Bobby Sox being directed by Paul Thomas, Mm -hmm. this is a similar situation where we have a uh, porn director of the past, uh, or a porn actor from the past taking on the directorial role. Yes. And this is... Not his debut as a director, yes, it but it is his debut as a director on the Patreon or on the Raincoat Report in general. That's true. Um, I gotta give you that. But um, this film is awesome. Uh, we 
became aware of it because we were watching an old 90s uh, AVN award show. Yeah. And we saw uh, this get nominated for a bunch of awards back in uh, 1995, I guess. This came out in 94, it looks like. Uh, It got nominated for a bunch of awards, and it was like John Leslie's Dog Walker. Well... Let's let's see what's going on there. And I think it did win a bunch of awards. It did, but there were no I thought they were gonna walk ladies like dogs. Yeah. He won Best Director for this film and he probably deserves it. I think that's accurate. And there was also Best Couple Sex Scene for Christina Angel and Stephen St. Croix, which I don't think was the best scene in the film, but I could also see where somebody would see it as a standout scene in the sense that narratively speaking, it was like the more important scene in the film. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, uh, this movie ruled. Um, it's a video era, although I believe it was shot on film. Um, it's it looks a, a little nicer than some of the other video era stuff we've covered, so I would believe that. Certainly looks better than Mary Xmas. Yes. Uh, and it did win uh, Best Cinematography by Jack Remy, the cinematographer, I don't as well. Know. Um, it looked good. I'll say that. Yes. Um it is kind of a video era psychological thriller uh, a la something like Corruption. Mm-hmm. It's got a bit of a different tone than Corruption, but yeah. I think it's the easiest uh, parallel to draw. Yeah, it's just, it, it fits into like that kind of uh, uh, inexplicable sort of neo-noir where things are never quite fully spelled out for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, similarly to Bobby Sox... Um, and in fact, similarly to Corruption, we have uh, John Le- or uh, we have Jamie Gillis in a featured role. We sure do. Although he's, uh, he's a he's a non-sex role here. Yeah, he's getting too long in the tooth. Yeah, but uh, we also have, in addition to him, we have John Leslie playing another non-sex role, mm-hmm. and we have That's the fortune teller. Yes, the fortune teller is his credit. He just appears to be some sort of mob boss type yeah he's a yeah i'm not gonna get into it we broke (laughs) it down as much as we could last time and uh we (laughs) also have joey silvera who is still in a sex role here and quite a sex scene quite alive as well quite alive today (laughs) though i think he's looking a little worse for the wear by this point but uh you know me he probably got back right on he probably got back he probably got back on the right track yeah, probably. He's I mean, fine. he's still alive. Yeah. More <laughs> than you can say for Leslie or Gillis. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, this is a very well-made film. It's got some good, nasty sex scenes, mm-hmm. but it's well shot. Um, I would say that, narratively speaking, it's purposely confusing, but what's going on seems to be made clear at the end, at yeah. least clear enough. It's straightforward enough, but they're in the end. But I think while you're watching it, it's one of those what am I seeing kind of right, films. For and, sure. uh, I always appreciate a film like that that makes you put a little more work into it. Particularly when at the end you get an idea of what's going on versus at the end when you're just like, okay, I'm not sure if like this is just poorly made or if the director had an idea that I just didn't get or what the director had a vision, but then someone hit him with a big chunk of firewood <laughs> and he forgot. 
But yeah, uh, I I was kind of uh, blown away by this. Yeah. I liked it a whole lot. Yeah, and I liked it why... a lot more than I thought I was going to going into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, yeah, films of this period can kind of break either one of two ways. They can either uh, be just like a fully plotless kind of uh, fuck fest, mm-hmm. or they could be a secret gem. Yes. And that's it. Those are the only choices. <laughs> but yeah, that's Dog Walker. I say everybody should go out and see this movie. Go to your local theater yeah. and demand that they play John Leslie's Dog Walker. Yeah, everyone get out on the floor. It's time to walk John Leslie more. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, so yeah, that was my number two. Yeah. Um, well. So I guess it's time for your number one. Yes, my number one was your number five. Oh yeah, hard gore. Okay, uh, yeah, I could see this. This opened five weeks of fright this year, and uh, I feel like I said a lot of uh, what I need to say in that episode. But this is a uh, this is basically a perfect synthesis of early '70s sex films and early like '70s like gore stuff and like the Herschel Gordon Lewis sort of model. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, got a, a mostly like no names. I think the director was like a cinematographer or something like that in Hollywood who decided he could maybe do a better job. Yeah, that and, was uh, the story. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say on the effects side of things, I think they definitely nail it. This might be like one of the gorier films of the early to mid 70s. Yeah. Uh, Certainly one of the gorier sex films of the 70s. Yeah, uh, it's a far cry from Dark Dreams. Yeah. Uh, But uh, I think this stands as kind of the pinnacle of the merging of the two genres. I don't know how you would really manage to handle it better. Uh, Because it's one of those things where you have to be like, you can either be disgusted or titillated. Mm-hmm. And this one kind of walks the line between both. I don't think the sex in it is very great, but yeah, uh, I did find the tale of it amusing. A nymphomaniac who's checked into a hospital that's ran by a, yeah, a local satanic cult. Yeah. And, uh, as they tend to be. Yeah. There's a uh, penis amputations. Yeah. There's a man in a devil mask who's going Nirvana <laughs> yes. uh, at random intervals during his many uh many sacrifices yes uh there's just a whole lot in this one that there's uh, a there's a sex scene in a room full of corpses yes there's a sex uh, scene including yeah. a corpse being involved <laughs> yeah there's a yeah there's some necrophilia in this one there's a an attempt to resuscitate a corpse through necrophilia <laughs> yes uh this movie really just uh it has it all i'm I feel like it's going to be hard to top this one with any of our five weeks of fright picks uh, in the future. Yeah, I agree. I think that this this movie is absolutely something special and yeah. something that would be hard to. Um, I don't think I want to jack off to it, but no. Uh, I, if I want to be like supremely amused, I'm going to go for hardcore. Yeah, I would say that it's not scary or arousing, but what it is is uh, must see. TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You must watch it on your TV. <laughs> yes. Or go down to your theater and demand they show hard gore. Yes. Go down to your theater and demand that they uh, show hard gore. We should need to release this. It was like macabre. 
This was a massacre video. Massacre video. Okay. Um, we need to. I do wonder if Agfa has hard gore available for screenings yeah. for uh, screenings. Yeah. For screamings. For screamings. Yes. Screamings at screenings. Yeah. It's available for screamings. The raincoat review. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing that this episode. No, no. <laughs> uh, okay, so just so you know, hard gore is not available for theatrical uh, uh, presentation through Agfa. Uh, they do have hard soap, hard soap though. So mm, I'd rather watch hard gore. I know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that leaves me to my number one, which okay. did not show up on your list. Um, I was really, I was really on the fence about what was going to be number one and number two, Yeah. but ultimately I consulted with not my brain, but my heart and okay. my balls. Yeah. And that led me to declaring my number one film of 2023 to be a film that I had already seen before 2023. Silk, Satin, Sex. And it was Silk, Sat, it was... The submission of Emma Marks. Oh yes, that almost made my list as well. That was a that was a real ball turner. It was a real ball turner, <laughs> uh, starring the lovely and talented Penny Pax. Mm-hmm. Uh, this. Oh yes, who also shows up in our uh, Patreon episode this it, week? She absolutely does, uh, and I will uh, I will give her the proper respect and worship that she deserves at that point, Excellent. as I am at this point. Gross, because. Penny Pax is a goddess, and I adore her. Uh, and uh, she does a great job in the submission of Emma Marks. Uh, I say that uh, completely biased, but I believe that in an unbiased way as well. Um, this is a reaction to the Fifty Shades of Grey madness. And narratively speaking, this takes some from that. But uh, this was directed by Jackie St. James and Eddie Powell. Mm-hmm. And written by Jackie St. James. And Jackie St. James said that she had a lot of problems with Fifty Shades of Grey, as many people did. So she wanted to take something that had some of the spirit and ideas of that, mm-hmm. but uh, approached BDSM in a a little bit more of a reasonable uh, fashion. I'd and say they achieved it. Yes. So Penny Pax is here, looking lovely as always. Uh, she is in her blonde phase here rather than her redhead phase which uh i I do prefer her as a redhead but she is beautiful here nonetheless Mm -hmm. uh we have a featured role for riley reed as her sister nadia and uh we also have richie calhoun playing the role of mr fredericks who takes the dom role uh to penny pax's sub role um the interesting thing here being, of course, that Penny Pax's character, Emma Marks, the titular character, uh, is a very empowered and confident woman. She's educated, and she's there to do an interview with Mr. Fredericks, who uh, has kind of a magical, not actually magical, but like... Uh, yeah, the, I don't know what you're saying. Uh, he has a... Uh, he has an effect on her that makes her uh, just fall uh, obs- fall into obsession with him and ultimately just beg to submit to him. Yes. Uh, and we get such uh, great stuff here as uh, some anal training. 
We have uh, lots of spankings mm-hmm. and weird, more sensual uh, stuff like a like a, a bathing scene. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of different stuff here, but we also have some interesting relationship type stuff where they they they're both very strong minded people and they clash at certain points and ultimately it seems like their uh, dom sub dynamic and relationship has fallen apart, but they ultimately get back on the same page. Aww. Meanwhile, Riley Reed, her sister, and her comparatively boring normal lifestyle uh is constantly talking about herself but slowly starting to realize that something's going on with her sister um but the like first 40 minutes of this movie is a sex scene with riley reed which i mean she's a bigger star yeah so i understand why they did that up front but uh compared to the kinkier stuff later in the film this vanilla sex scene it uh, doesn't do it as much for me. But, it's just setting the scene. Yeah, but Riley Reed's still a beautiful woman. Their sex scene is good for what it is. It's just too long. Yeah. But that's the only fault that I can find in this otherwise flawless film. They got number one for best film that we covered in 2023 from me. It took uh, really different tacks on our number one. Yeah. We really wanted different stuff out of our films this year. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we did. But, uh, you know, it's 2024. We've got a lot to look forward to. Yeah. We can cover uh, the sequels to the submission of Emma, Emma Marks at some point. Yeah. And uh, we can try to get a sequel to Hardcore funded by somebody. <laughs> yeah. We've got, and you know, we've got, I'm sure, more sequels coming down the pipeline anyway for other films we've covered as well. Yes. And I uh, bet we'll have more sequels on our Patreon at patreon.com slash raincoat report, which I think we've plugged to death now that I think about it. But yeah. This is mostly, we just recorded this one just to plug the Patreon. <laughs> uh, but next week, uh, we're going to take a week off and, and we're going to plug the Patreon again by uh, playing an old episode where we talk about Pornhub Christmas 2023. Uh, and then we'll be back to open the raincoat files and uh, look into. Strange goings on. Yes. And until then, keep watching the skies and don't forget your raincoat.